And welcome back. This is Jay Taft with your sports podcast, Not Just a Game. Uh, we're, we've got a really good one this week, and I've been waiting to get our buddy from Rockton in and on for a podcast. And this is just such great timing for this because he's got some hot stuff going on. Had a great fight not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago. And we're going to look ahead to what's coming up. For our buddy Corey Anderson out of Rockford, Rockton, a, a former Hananiga wrestler um, who's gone on and made the climb in the MMA world. And right now he's uh, working his way up the Bellator ladder. Um, and let's get into talking about how that's going for him. Corey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Jay. How about yourself? I'm doing great. And like I said, I've been itching to get you on for this. Um, so I appreciate it. I'm going to try and get in as much as I can in our 15 minutes here and just soak it up like a sponge. All right, buddy? Mm-hmm. First of all, start off with with the basics, man. How's the personal life? How's the family life? What do you got now? Two kids at home. I can't hear anything in the background right now, so they must yeah. be sleeping. Or, well, no, I'm not at home. I'm actually in Connecticut where Bellator does their events. I'm commentating this weekend for the fight, so oh. I'm here in quarantine right now, waiting to get my COVID results back, and then can move around. But yeah, we got two kids now. Got a little boy, CJ. He's two years old, and Nina. She's eight weeks. Little girl. Um, wife is doing great. She's back up, working out, taking care of things, handling things like a boss, making it where I'm able to leave and do stuff like this and better our futures and my career as well. Um, personal life, other than that, hunting and doing the same thing I usually do. Family yeah, you're problems. a big hunter. That's right. We always know that. You always take your hunting trips each year, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's next week. Next week, I head to Texas for my uh, yearly veteran hunt out there with Hero Sports in San Antonio. So I dedicate some time with the veterans, hang out in the blind with those guys, some wounded vets, and just hang out, shoot some hogs or whatever we after and share stories and get to know them a little better. That's great stuff. Um, I bet there's a ton of veterans that that just makes their year. What are you hunting this year? Do you know? Um, right now, what we're set to do hogs and a couple exotics, either Access and uh, I think it was All Dad, Access and All Dad. Gotcha. Or like, they're deer from Europe. They're not natives of America, and they're all over Texas. So different ranches have them, and some people they have too many of them. They want you to take them out. Some people enjoy the exotics. Um, we eat them all. You know, we had a little bit of everything on those trips, so they all taste good as long as they prepare right. <laughs> I'm just excited to get out there with those guys. That's good stuff. You do a lot of stuff like that. That's off, off the out of the spotlight, and you just you're there to help people and you're kind of a, a guy that likes to give back, don't you? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, especially like giving back in the gym, especially cause like I, I was blessed to have great guys to mentor me, to make it to where I was at guys and girls, teachers and coaches. Mm-hmm. And then in the world, it's just in the world today, you need people like at a, that's at a higher level that can give back to these people that don't get to live the life we live, don't get to do the things we do, the ones that are fans of us. I remember the first hunt I went on, you know, I didn't think none of it. I don't think nothing of myself. I think I'm still just a little boy from Rockton, you know, just happened to fight. And um, the first trip, I can't remember the guy's name. I remember when he got out of the car and the founder, Mike Barker, he was telling me like that guy, 
I got a call from him a couple or from somebody a couple weeks ago about him saying he was talking about suicide. His wife had left him and from the war and a lot of things. And we just, I just want you to spend some time with him and get to know him. And hopefully at the end of this trip, you know, he have a few friends, it's like eight different vets there, some wounded, some not, some just there to help that can relate. And uh, hopefully we can change his life, you know, and at the end of the trip, he got out of the car kind of like a loner. You can tell he didn't really want to talk to anybody. He used to being by himself. But by the end of that weekend, he was changing numbers, having fun, laughing, joking with all the other vets, the other wounded vets. Um, and just to see the way they interact and just to think like, dang, just hanging out with me for a weekend. He just kept thanking me for being there. Thank you so much. He's taking pictures, sending it to his kids or what like that. Like, oh, my kids going to love this, this and that. And just to, just spending time with somebody in a hunting blind for a few hours a night to think that, that was the impact it made that hit me big. And then I just been doing it every year as much as I can. It's incredible. what If you can just make a difference in one person's life like that, I mean, it's almost worth it. And for mm -hmm. someone like you to be able to do it here every trip or, you know, multiple times, um, just have a positive impact on people's lives. Uh, it's got to feel good, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a great feeling. Well, it's a great feeling to see somebody who's come out of our area who let, who appreciates that the way you do, and you always have. So I just wanted to throw that out there, that it's it's pretty obvious what a good dude you are inside. So um, go back. What do you? How did I miss this? You're commentating this weekend? Yeah. I don't think they've made any announcements. It's uh Oh. They got like a revolving chair for the Showtime. Now that we're with Showtime and um, right. what I came out to do media for the Grand Prix in February. Mm -hmm. And like I was just, every interview I had, I was killing it. Not one take every time. <laughs> and then after when I got off the mic, the head of PR, the uh, fighter relations lady, she came and grabbed me like, Corey, you speak on a camera. You speak so well. And it's like, you just sound so intelligent. And it, it's effortless it's not like you got to repeat it you don't need a script you're just so good at talking to the camera and I just said well you got to remember I started my career on the ultimate fighter which is live well, on tv you got the camera so you I kind of learned how to talk and let the nerves just go and just be yourself and so like I wish every fighter could just like on our roster could see what you do and speak the same way it'd be so much easier to do these cuts it's like I would love to get you like to do commentating one day and I was like no I would love to do that just Put my name out there and see if they call me. Hell yeah, I would love to do it. And um, I got a, the opportunity after the last fight. She said, you really want to do it? I was like, yeah. And she called me the next day like, you're on the next fight. They want to put you on the table. So This Saturday? Yeah. Um, Friday, tomorrow. Friday. Tomorrow, night on oh, show tomorrow already. Good heavens. What's the fights? What's the main card, you know? Um, the main event is Sergio Pettis versus uh, um, Juan Archuleta. Sergio Pettis is actually a Milwaukee guy from Rufus Sport. I used to train with him. And then the co-main event is Anthony Rumble Johnson making his return back to fighting. He retired four years ago to fight Jose Augusto in the quarterfinals of the light heavyweight Grand Prix, which is the tournament I'm in. So they'll be on the other side of the bracket, and a winner of that will fight the champ next round in the semifinals for the belt and for a chance to move up. Oh wow! So this one you have a you have some some riding on this one as well. Yeah. But it, this is so cool! This Bellator light heavyweight Grand Prix. Give me an idea of how they 
pitch how you were told about this. It wasn't that long ago when it really started going. And then you had your first fight. What are we two weeks off of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, after I signed, and I did a couple of interviews just saying of how much money I've made difference to money was and treatment was, and it kind of just got tweeted and a lot of people started getting curious. They wanted to test that water too, I guess. So I know a couple of the guys from our management, like Rumble, he's one of he's on the same management team as me. He won, he was coming back already, but it was set to go to UFC. And then all of a sudden something changed. He got out of that contract and signed a contract here. And a lot of the big names, Joe Romero, he did the same thing, got out of his contract in UFC and came over here. And then after my first fight with Manhoof, the big talk was like, well, Corey should be next in line for a title fight, hands down. You know, like I said, I'm not going to debate it, whatever it is. But then you sign Rumble and Yo, two guys who are also ranked in the top. Yo has fought, what, four of his last fights have been to the title at 185. You got Rumble Johnson, his last fight in the UFC was for the title. At 205, he had two title fights, I believe, as well. So it's like, well, you got these guys. They coming over as well. So it's kind of a toss-up on who gets the title fight. And I guess they just came with this opportunity. Well, right now we got the most stacked 205 division in the fight game. We should just make the top eight guys fight it out. And at the end, you know, throw them all in the pen. And who coming out with the stake? And that's pretty much what it is. And <laughs> Right now, we're down to six guys, you know, six guys left. Or no, actually five guys left. One more fight, then tomorrow will be four guys. Then we got two more fights and it'll be two, come down to one. Similar to the ultimate fighter for me, and I'm excited about it. I love that tournament atmosphere. It's so unique in in the MMA world as well, and I think it's kind of getting a little trendy, a little more popular to do it this way, and especially with the big prize at the end of the rainbow here, the – the $1 million at the end, what does that do for you as, as far as motivation as well? I mean, money is always the motivation, you know, and everything. Um, when I got into it, I didn't fight for the money. I fought to be the best. And I'm still here to fight to be the best. But now when you got the incentive at the end of the rainbow is you actually get to the pot of gold. You know, you actually know what's at the end of the rainbow. There's no curiosity. There's no mystery what's there. We know. Right now, we're riding the rainbow. We're at the top. We're working our way down to that pot, you know. And each fight, you get closer and closer. And uh, everybody want to get to that million dollars, and that's just huge. A million dollars. Anybody tell anybody you're getting a million dollars, that's to change your life if for a little bit or for a long bit. depends on how you manage your money. But then along with that, we still get our fight contract money throughout the tournament. So sure. some of us, if you win, you'll end up with a couple million. Some people, depending on your contract, you can end up with five million, depending on how you – manage it so you know this just it just puts that fire in everybody it's a huge competition now it's more than just mano y mano it's about mano y mano but taking care of your family because if you win this tournament you don't have to fight anymore you know you probably you saved all your money you did the right thing throughout the tournament by the end you can retire a millionaire if you wanted to or right then you win now your value is that much higher you're the grand prix champion and you're the champion of the division, not everybody wants you. So that's when the fight's really going to come. The money's going to come. And you just continue to grow. You keep winning, you keep defending, and you keep getting more. And then you just stack up that bread until you're done and walk away into the sunset when you're ready. Now you, so you started off the light heavyweight Grand Prix with a third round TKO of, it's such a, 
crazy name dove yeah um that was bellator 257 um and i keep saying two weeks ago my time stinks i think that's two weeks ago two weeks ago this friday yeah um walk us through that fight real quick i talked to you a little bit right before it um your mindset it's always so consistent uh headed into fights it's just incredible talk to me about how you felt after that and then when you do your thing when you look back at it and critique yourself and figure out we've given you a couple weeks here now what have you figured out about yourself and that fight i'm just that good i look back and i look at not even looking cocky or anything it was just first round it was more of just a fill-out process you know and um yags was the ACB, ACA champion, which is one of the toughest divisions over in Russia. And I know guys that fight in that organization that come train with us that aren't even the champs. And I know they are good. And if he was a champ over there, I think he was like the four-time, four or five-time champ over there. And you think about it, they had the hype on him so much. Coming into the tournament, I was the underdog. I was ranked third in the world. And this guy was an unknown. But when he came to the tournament, I was the underdog. So that puts some picture on it. It's like, this guy is actually that good, huh? And so you really, like, the camp, I really turned it up. I really trained very hard, was focused on him, thinking about him all day, studying his films every night, thinking about what I have to do here, what can I do this? If he gets to this position, what should I do next? Are he's good at this? Make sure we stay careful of that, blah, blah, blah. Like I said, the first round was more of a fill-out process. We just we was patient, you know? Don't rush anything, don't get caught. because We got to figure out what he's doing. And then the second round, it was just like, all right, we've seen it. Time to go out there and do what we do. And when I did it and just the way I just – everything, it wasn't – I don't want to say effortlessly, but – looked like it. was kind of one of my easier fights in my career. And I was <laughs> like, if this guy was that good and I could do like that, like I'm not getting cocky going to any other fights, but it was like if I just keep that mindset and just be smart with my training and prepare the way I should and go out there perform the way I plan. Because it went exactly how I wanted. only thing that he landed that was against the drawing board was the spinning heel kick. And I had my hand up, but just the fact we train, like when he spin, you go left. Be prepared. As he spin, go left. Either get the takedown, hop completely to the left. And I missed that one split second. Just lost that just for a second. It one took time. from the spin and throw, and it landed. And that was the only thing I was unhappy about. Everything else we did was to the T. So I couldn't complain. My goodness, I can't imagine there'd be much complaining. Um, and and then you take out of that, obviously, you know, that, oh, I want to talk about the tweet because shortly after, I think shortly after that fight, you tweeted out that you've made more in these two fights with Bellator than you did in your seven-year UFC career. Is that right? Mm-hmm. How impressive is that? Did you know that when you were making that leap over? It hasn't been that long since you moved over from UFC to Bellator. Um, you kind of, you kind of talked to me about that. That you were, that was you. You weren't happy with the situation in well, that. I knew, I knew the pay was going to be more over here, but for the way I didn't do the calculations that fast in my head. You know, <laughs> I was, was riding around. We took my son to the aquarium and. Me and my wife was talking some business stuff and was talking to financials and it just kind of hit in my head. And I'm sitting there thinking as we talking about it and I just think of like, we got a good life. Like it's crazy. We went from that to this. And that's when I posted the tweet. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't 
my, I talked to my manager about it yesterday. It wasn't so much of a, a diss, but it was kind of like, like I said, UFC gave me the career. If mm-hmm. it wasn't for my time in the UFC, I wouldn't make this money now. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people go, oh, you living a life, you living a life, you get to do this. Before, I wasn't living a life. I was a professional fighter, and I enjoyed it. Now it's like I literally get to live the life. At any point in time, I can tell my wife, let's pack up and go somewhere. It's not like, oh, what about this? She don't have to work anymore. My wife gets, she wants to stay home, take care of the kids. Stay home, take care of the kids. If you want to go to work, go to work. Do what you want to do. But right now, it's I have the opportunity to make life easier for my family, which is every man's dream growing up. You want to be able to take care of your family. You know, most people have the dream to buy their parents, their mom, a house, or a car. But my father and mother already had that. I grew up learning how to take care of things and value money. And my father started from nothing. And he had something. If you know H. Anderson Riffin back home, one of the biggest roofing companies out there. Union Company kills it all over the U.S. So it was nothing I could do for them. But for me to marry a woman who didn't want anything, she just loved me for me and been with me throughout the career and give her some kids. And now I can give her pretty much anything she wants. She don't have to ask for anything, but I just give her stuff because I appreciate her. And that's because of Bellator. I couldn't do that with the UFC money. We had to be smart with our money because we wasn't making that much. Now we're at a point now I can I can take care of my wife. I can show her I appreciate you and everything you've done is worth it for this time. For It was all worth it for these moments now because now we get to enjoy these benefits and we just getting started. And you're just two wins away from the biggest payday of um, – I mean, not many people even can think about making that much in one night. Um, yeah, baby. <laughs> You're 15 and five over your career, right? Yeah. Um, now let's talk about uh, the, the semifinal. It's coming up in July. I don't think there's a date yet, right? Unless that's no. by me. Uh, July, we, we figure it'll be sometime in July, right? For the semis, for most of the semis to be done, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, you're going to fight Ryan Bader. Give us a little take on the history there. Um, I'm even a little fuzzy. I know you trained with him. It wasn't during the tough. The um, After tough, I've been out there three times. After tough, my best friend, she lives in Gilbert, Arizona, her and her family. And I went out and visited after tough. And I'm like, wherever I go, I'm going to train. I can't go without training. And uh, I didn't know it was his gym. I just Googled. MMA gyms in the area, and it was literally five minutes down the road, Power MMA. Went, it was his gym. I went in, trained. I went in, signed up just as a normal person. Nobody knew who I was. I couldn't tell anybody because the awesome fighter clause. Oh, so I'm just there training everything, and the coach was like, yo, you're pretty good. You want to jump in the class or anything? I'm like, sure. And Bader wasn't there at the time, but um, another guy, Ryan Jimmo, who was a UFC 205-er, and I went in and wrestled with him, did jiu-jitsu with him and other stuff, and I didn't spark. I didn't have any of my sparring equipment that time, but I was wrestling and jujitsu and like I was doing so good. And at the time, I was only four and young kid, just coming off the Ultimate Fighter or three and at the time. Right. And uh, the coaches kept at like, "You sure you don't? Really, you sure you're not a fighter anywhere?" Like <laughs> Aaron Simpson, he was a UFC vet. Like, you sure? I'm like, yeah. I just, I mean, I like doing it on my spare time. I fight, but not like for real, for real. Like, maybe you should. Then when the show aired. He actually texted me. He was like, you Sam bagging MF. I knew something <laughs> was about you. And it was more than just you just training casually. But he was also a vet of tough. So he knew. Like I said, you know how it is. I can't You're say not anything. allowed to say anything. Exactly. You're not allowed to say anything. 
Like when you come you home, trouble, it's, it's pretty much just like you just disappeared off the face of the earth and you pop back up seven weeks later. <laughs> you can't tell anybody anything. You can't tell who was on the show. You can't say anything about yeah. tough. To you, you just disappear. Yeah. So um, yeah. After that, Bader has the first Phil Davis fight, and they called me New Year's night. Actually, I remember that Giovanni or um, the bar on um, Perryville and Riverside, right there off the highway, where they do the New Year's Eve party. It's not Giovanni's. Did not, is it Giovanni? Yeah, yeah Giovanni. Giovanni. I can't yeah, make, make yeah. sure I say the name right. Yeah. With Giovanni's, um, and I get a call like 10 minutes after the ball dropped, like, hey, man, uh, happy New Year's. Bader has a fight coming up in a couple weeks, and we need somebody like a good wrestler and decent striker to come on and emulate Phil Davis. You think you can make it out here? Uh-huh. Like, yeah, when? I was like, well, we got a flight that you can be taking off in like eight hours. You think you can make it? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> of course, it's New Year's, so I've been drinking. Yeah. I go home, pack my stuff, fly straight out there, spend a week there. We train for a week. And then, uh, like, it was just such good training. Remember, I'm, I haven't even had my first – I actually don't have my first UFC fight after that. Okay. But um, – so I'm only 1-0 in the UFC. Right. And we go back and forth, and I never hear from him again, you know. And then he goes to Bellator. And his first fight in Bellator again, Phil Davis. I've seen him at the UFC circus, but we never really talked. And he calls me again. He says, well – we, we were so close in competition with me being in the UFC with you. I feel like it was a bad idea for us to keep training because we might fight. And then this time, so now he's in Bellator and it's four or five years later. At this point, I'm ranked in the top 10 in the UFC. We go back out, Phil Davis, same game plan. And this time training is like completely different. It's like I'm not just competing, but it's like now nah, I'm matured in this game. I'm bigger. And it was wars in there. And then after that, you know, I really don't talk to him. He talks to me. He hits me up before the OSP fight, gives me advice, and I don't hear from him again. Now I'm in Bellator, and I knew right then. It's like, not an opportunity. I'm going to come in at the top. He's a champ. At the time, he was a champ. It was like, yeah, he already knows what's on the plate when he has to deal with me. He knows what I bring. As he said, when I fall, he commentated and even said, like, the kid is just – he's just good, and he just doesn't stop. There's a reason why they call him overtime, because he's always working. One thing you know is he's never going to get tired. He's always there. And now, as I win that fight, you got to know it's in his head. Like, he's already know. He said it himself, like, Corey's good. He's good everywhere. He's He trains hard. He pushes hard. His cardio. And then you think, like, dang, I've been in here in the room before just in practice. So now it's a fight. The gloves change. There's no shin pads. There's no headgear. So anything I caught you with before, now you're getting it pretty much with bare knuckles. And it goes same thing with me. Like what he caught more before, now he's getting hit with bare knuckles. So in both our minds, we know where the other person brings. We know how it goes in the room. He knows it's not it's probably gonna be the toughest fight in his career, other than this Anthony Rumble fight in the UFC. And I'm just excited, you know. I know we're both gonna bring it because he's gonna come out to prove that he's got the best of me in the room. I'm gonna come out to prove I got the best of him in the practice room. So it's going to be an all-out war, two guys that meet in the middle of the cage and whoever got the best game plan and willing to go for broke. These are the best brawls is when the two guys know each other or at least know each other's games. Um, and you, and we're going to have two very smart fighters that know each other well. It's just going to be a neat matchup. I'm, are you like – are they having you promote the crap out of this? Or you don't really have to, though, do you? I mean, 
Just flash those two names out there. That's promoting it. I mean, Bellator, they do a good job promoting their own. They do. You know, unlike UFC, where it was kind of like you have to promote yourself if you want to grow. Yeah. You want to get the attention, you got to promote yourself. If you're not promoting yourself, they're not going to jump behind you. And once you sell yourself and you get the fans, then they start investing money and giving you, like, your little media tours for your fights and all that. As for Bellator, like I said, one of the things I'm happy about most, I can just be me. I don't have to talk. I don't have to do anything. I can still post my same picture a day, me and my son, me and my wife, me and my daughter, me and my dog, me and my beau, me and my coach. I don't have to do all that wild stuff to promote, get attention. I'm just me. I can do that and be me every day. And I'm going to get the same promotion because I'm in this big tournament with other big names. And I love that because I don't have to change my identity. That was one thing that it got the best of me in the UFC. My mother didn't like it. My manager didn't like it. People were texting me like, we don't like the person you're becoming. But it was the image they wanted you to paint in order to get the, the publicity and the attention. That's for I've never been a big person on attention. Like you said, I do a lot of giving back behind the cameras. I don't like people knowing I donate money here. I don't like people knowing I do things because I just, I don't need you to know I did it. I'm, I'm fine with it. I don't want the media in my face. And uh, here, I don't have to do that. I can just literally just ride underneath the radar. And then you don't hear from me come fight night. Then after the fight, I go right back to being Corey and living my life. And in the next fight night, I'm back on the camera. This is literally the first interview I've done since before the fight. And that's only because Bellator set it up. I don't talk to media. I just literally stay to myself and be me. And that's the life I want to live. I'm a fighter on fight night, but I'm a husband and a father, a brother, a son, and an uncle and a cousin. Other than that, I'm nobody special. Ah, it's a beautiful thing. Well, your personality, even back in your UFC days, they couldn't stifle that. That's a personality that shines, man. It comes out. And I'm really glad. That's part of why I'm really glad you sat down with us for this. I wanted this, those, these folks to hear and see your personality. And it, it really comes out. And um, uh, it's, it's easy, to, easy to like, man. Um, you're going to be reeling in fans. I got a feeling here, especially over this tournament, those of those, those of them goofballs out there that don't know about you yet are going to know about you here coming up. Um, what what are you most excited about here over this summer and getting ready for the semifinal bout? And um, with everything you've got coming up and everything in your life, what are you what are you most looking forward to here coming up? I'm just excited for life in 2021, man. Like I said, my family is growing. It's beautiful. My little girl is like, they say you get soft around when you get the daughter. I swore up and down I wouldn't, but I can see it happening. My wife, my daughter is definitely, she changed me the way she look at me right now. I just, I can feel it thinking about her. Um, just can't wait to see my family grow. As for the fight, I was ready to go out there and continue to show. And the crazy thing is, I still haven't even got to show everything I've been working on. Yeah. I've yet to, like nobody even seen my stand-up. All they see now is the ground and pound and wrestling. But the thing is, they don't realize we're prepared. If we can't get you down. We're prepared for the stand-up. We just wash it if we don't have to. So like, I'm just excited for the day I get to showcase it all. Maybe it'll be in the finals of this. And that's the toughest fight. And the guy stops my takedown. I have to show the striking. I have to mix it up. I have to show the judo. And I got to show the wrestling. I got to show the jiu-jitsu and everything we have. But as for right now, we still at tip of the iceberg. We're just doing what we 
been doing since we got in the UFC just to strike or the ground and pound in the wrestling. That's right. I'm excited about that. And then as for life and other business ventures, just with my hunting and the hunting show I have on YouTube and just continue to grow. I'm just, like I said, I'm just, I told somebody yesterday, right now I'm, I'm living my life in the present, but I'm planning for the future. Every move I make, I'm prepared for the next day. Tomorrow I can wake up and be the last day I can fight. But guess what? It won't be. I'm sitting here on my hands like, what's now? The ball is already rolling. I've already got the plan set. The business plan is set for the next business, the next venture, the next hunt, the next episode for my hunting show. Everything is going. It's just in time getting it out. And I'm just excited for to see everything coming for fruition because I've been just taking the time and just being smart about everything, my money, my career, my family, my life. And I just feel 2021 is just going to be, like you said, you feel a lot of new fans are going to come. I feel a lot of new supporters, a lot of new partnerships, a lot of new everything. And it's just going to be a bright future from here on out for the Anderson family. Always moving forward, man. Always moving forward. Um, thank you so much for sitting down. This was great. Let's catch up again soon. Um, Corey Anderson, Rockton, um, now from Rockton, now all over the dang world. Uh, hard to pin him down. We'll try and watch you commentate a little bit here tomorrow night as well. See what you have to say about that, about that matchup or a couple of matchups, which could affect your run at a million dollars here in the light heavyweight Grand Prix coming up. Corey, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate your time, man. No problem, man. You guys, make sure you tune in. The fight starts at 5.30 tomorrow on YouTube. Uh, the Showtime version starts at 9. And while you're on YouTube, go ahead and check my YouTube out at Outdoors with Overtime and hit that subscribe button. Other than that, thank you, Jay, for having me on and all your supporters and fans that's been following I appreciate you guys from the bottom of my heart, and uh, the best is yet to come. You're the best, Corey. We'll talk soon, okay? Thanks, Jay. Have a good one. All right, man.